Hello, welcome back. It's great to have you back with us at Institute of World Mission podcast. Last week, I promised you a special episode. What you'll hear today is a portion of a webinar we held last week on Thursday. Dr. Cheryl Doss, IWM director, hosted Dr. GT Ng in a one-hour live event. As many of you, our listeners know, Dr. Ng is the executive secretary of the General Conference and also leads out in what we call a mission-focused family of services and ministries of the World Church. Institute of World Mission, by the way, is part of that family. Now, unfortunately, because of time and format, we cannot bring the entire webinar to you here in this podcast episode or podcast listeners. What we decided to do, though, is to share with you Dr. Ng's half an hour presentation. There's lots that's left outside this presentation. For example, Dr. Doss asks pertinent questions and receives great answers from Dr. Ng. All this, yet, you can find in a published recording of the whole webinar on the IWM website, so it is accessible to you. Simply look for the link in the show notes. But what we are able to bring to you today is at the heart of last week's live meeting. When you do hear Dr. Ng's address, which we'll share with you in just a second, stay on for an important announcement at the end. Welcome to the Institute of World Mission Weekly Podcast, a show for Adventist mission enthusiasts striving to live, serve, and witness cross-culturally. Visit us at iwm.adventist.org slash podcast to view this podcast's show notes, links, and previous episodes. Institute of World Mission is your partner in the mission field. It's good to see everyone. Um, I cannot see everyone, that is, but I can see the number of participants on my screen. And uh, good morning and good afternoon and good evening to all our missionaries uh, in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. It's truly a pleasure to speak with our missionaries uh, who will labor under great uh, stresses in some places and uh, under a lot of uh, adversity. So you are in our prayers on a daily basis. I want to send you greetings from, from our World Church, Pastor Ted Wilson. Uh, he knows I'll be speaking to missionaries this morning. And he wants to send his special greetings. At this time of uh, global pandemic, not everything is gloom and doom. Uh, there are a lot of good news coming out of the pandemic. Yesterday, I had the privilege of uh, meeting with uh, Asian Hope Channel leaders, you know, uh, 20 plus people. And they were telling us, almost without exception, the viewership of Hope Channel has gone up tremendously. People are looking for hope. People are looking for assurance. People are looking for an anchor in life. So this is, this is something positive. Uh, on a personal note, it has done me tremendously positively as well. Uh, this is the ninth week of the General Conference lockdown. All of us have to work from home. So we are Zooming on a daily basis. Uh, my wife will be Zooming downstairs. I'll be Zooming upstairs. And sometimes we get into nerves of each other. But that's life, working from a confined uh, environment. But COVID-19 has done something to us which we have never done before. And that is every day uh, when I look at my wife, 
and my wife looks at me and there's nothing else to look. So <laughs> I decided to look outside. So I, I have uh, picked up a new hobby, that's bird watching. <laughs> oh, I tell you, it's a fabulous world, a beautiful world out there. The other day, the other day I saw a, a red cardinal. Oh, beautiful bird and uh, sang beautifully. Then uh, I've always wanted to see a woodpecker and I saw one high up on the tree, maybe 10 meters tall, you know, packing away. Majestic, beautiful bird. Then I saw a, a blue heron the other day. So this is something positive coming out of global pandemic. Another thing positive, and that is uh, for the first time in our lives, my wife and I successfully baked uh, granolas. And those are fabulous, absolutely delicious. There's no reason to buy any granolas from the store. No reason whatsoever. Uh, genuine ingredients, no sugar, you know, healthy, full of nuts. You know, we just uh, had our fill every single morning. You know, that thing will last you up to one o'clock. Yes. Uh, without hunger pangs uh, setting in. It's amazing, you know, the nutrition value of that simple food. Let me share my screen to start with. Okay, uh, many people ask the question, am I going to be next? With 5 million people tested positive and uh, 325 people uh, have died, uh, who is going to be next? So there are a lot of questions going through our minds, even uh, devout Christians such as ourselves begin to ask questions. And uh, it is during this time of pandemic that we need to remember a text, which is uh, one of my favorites. That is Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stay on you, because he trusts in you. If there is a time to trust, it is now because uh, we have nothing else to hang on to. And I want to share with you something very precious. And there is a, a, a book written by Viktor Frankl. I don't know where this saying comes from, because it's our understanding that cats have nine lives. Three he play with, three he, he strays, and uh, three he endangers himself. So this is the, the analogy of a cat. And uh, during Second World War, at the various concentration camp, uh, there was a very interesting phenomenon. One of the Holocaust victims was uh, Viktor Frankl, an Austrian neurologist and psychiatrist. And uh, he made many observations during the camp. He himself was transferred from camp to camp. He experienced all four concentration camps. Uh, in the camp, existence was almost uh, non-existence because uh, prisoners would survive on a piece of bread every day. And if they were lucky, uh, some thin soup. If you look emaciated, you'll be beaten because uh, those who were weak will be sent to the gas chamber. And so uh, individuals who use cut glass to shave themselves, to look clean and handsome. So chances of going to the gas chamber will be minimized. They use all kinds of tricks to uh, minimize their chances of uh, ending up 
as the statistics in the Holocaust. And uh, Victor Frankl noticed that in the camp, there were those uh, prisoners that had given up hope. They stared at the ceiling or at the sky without making a motion for minutes. You, he could see them giving up life. And yet there were other prisoners who went about helping uh, other prisoners, showing compassion. And uh, he observed why the stark difference between these two groups of prisoners. Why? And uh, as a result of those observations, he wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning that sold for 10 million copies. He published the book back in uh, 1946. And when he died in 1997, more than 10 million copies of his books have been sold. And uh, the book was translated uh, into uh, 24 languages. So what was it? What was it that captivated the minds of so many individuals? Only one sentence. And this sentence is the reframe of his book. Those who have a why to live can bear with almost any how. In other words, those who have a higher purpose to live for, those who know why they are here on earth, those who know their mission in life, those who know the purpose of life can bear with almost any situation, any circumstance. This is a profound statement. And this statement he repeats again and again in the book. And, uh, he, and he will uh, relate stories to tell uh, the differences between these two groups their facial expression, their physical condition, their mental condition, and it's their mind they gave up first before the body gave up. And it was such a profound book that it is still being sold today. And so uh, Victor Frankl uh, is trying to tell us there is a difference between living and existing. If you live for a purpose, then you are li really living. If you live without a purpose, without anchor in life, Without a mission in life, then you are just existing. And uh, we, we see that in the church as well. In the church, there may be two kinds of uh, uh, individuals. Those individuals that look at church employment as a, as a job, as an employment, and others look at it as a calling. So I'm going to think with you for a few moments, the difference between the two, whether it is employment or whether it's a calling. And uh, the question is, when do you answer a phone? He said, that's a stupid question. Of course it is. It is meant to be rhetorical. Uh, you answer the phone when the phone rings. But you know, there are others who answer the phone without the phone ringing. And this is an example I will give you a little later. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctify you. I ordain you as a prophet to the nations. And this is a, a really a profound statement from the Yahweh God. Before Jeremiah's parents knew that he existed, God already knew. God was ahead of anyone else on earth. They knew that Jeremiah was going to be born. And not only that, he had been ordained by God for a special purpose to fulfill the mission that God had for him. What a profound statement. And uh, by contrast, you look at uh, this person. That person is none other than uh, Judas. 
Then a certain scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And uh, so this is a person who answered the phone without the phone ringing. And uh, the Apostle Paul has made a very interesting introduction whenever he wrote a book. You will, when you go back, you reread some of the apostles, and invariably, at the beginning of every epistle, he will say, Paul, by the grace of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ. To him, being the apostle of Jesus Christ uh, was a credential. Because he had been called by God, he knew God's purpose for him. And that was his anchor. A good example is in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Uh, Paul said, I was called to be an apostle. Then uh, a little later, he mentioned about another kind of calling that's called to be saints. So there are different kinds of calling. Uh, for the apostle Paul, he was called to be an apostle, apostle to the Gentiles. And to church members, they were called to the saints, to be saints. They, uh, they have a ministries to perform. So different calling engenders different functions. But the Apostle Paul, his faith was very strong because he knew why he, he existed. So I want to think with you for moments what's the difference between a job and a calling. Okay, this is uh, by no means uh, exhaustive. I just uh, pull my thoughts together and just give you something to think about. Okay, a job or calling. A job, you can substitute a job with employment. Okay, if it is a job, then you think about salary. You know, you think about livelihood. You know, you, it is a eight to five job. <laughs> uh, at the end of the day, you, you go home and that's it. A service is almost around the clock. Anytime you are available, you are, you are committed to a cause you are committed to a higher purpose. And when it comes to salary, people who believe they have been called by God to do a special function usually do not really care about the money they bring home. I want to tell you, it's, it's a strange thing. I don't want to uh, uh, make myself an example, but uh, when we were young missionaries to Cambodia, Maybe we were so inexperienced that we did not ask for our salary. Only upon uh, arriving in Phnom Penh, Cambodia, that we were told what our salary was going to be. At that time, Cambodia was under Vietnam mission. They call it Cambodia District. And the salary at that time was $70 a month. So our parents uh, heard about the financial straits that were, we, uh, we were in, they send money to us. You know, then uh, later on, when we were called to the Philippines, uh, my friends from Singapore, they said, are you stupid or something? Uh, can you imagine the difference between Philippine wage factor and the uh, uh, Singapore wage factor? And there is no difference. And yet, uh, 43 years later, I asked myself, my wife and I asked ourselves, you know, what have we lost? What have we lost? The Lord has more than compensated uh, money we thought we had lost, which we actually did not. 
you know, God is so wonderful. When you believe you have been called, everything is taken care of. One difference is about salary. Number two, you become a missionary. Whether you are an accountant, whether you are a nurse, whether you are in your home country, whether you're overseas, you're always a missionary. You're a missionary on the job. When you look at your calling as a employment, then it's a mercenary. When you look at your calling as a job, then you are a consumer of the, of the church system. What can I get out of the church system? You know, it's, it's sad to see from time to time in IPRS, you know, the processing uh, agency that we have in the church, you know, how certain ones will be arguing over some very minutiae as far as salaries and benefits are concerned. But for individuals who, who believe they have been called, they are contributor to mission rather than just consuming mission. So when you, if you are a doctor as an employment, uh, you on the job as a medical doctor. But if you are called to be a medical missionary, then your job description is very different. A businessman, I have businessmen who believe business is only uh, an avenue to make money. But the real ministry is, is in having ministry in business, using the funds that they have to do business. It's amazing. Doing business is just an excuse to bring money to subsidize ministry. Uh, if it is an appointment, you give your average service. But uh, if it is a calling, you serve with compassion. And um, one major difference I noticed, I did not put it there because of time, and that is uh, you can tell the difference between these two groups of people. For those people who have divine calls, who have a higher purpose to live and serve, there is always a fire in the belly. You cannot miss that. They are enthusiastic with what they do. And like Victor Frankl said, those who have a wide belief can endure almost any situation. They are willing to go to the ends of the earth for the sake of the love of Jesus Christ. Fire in the belly. Even those, uh, I noticed, those people who, who have uh, indeed experienced the call of God, whether it is in active service or in retirement, that fire is ever burning. It's amazing. Still giving Bible study, you know, uh, online, uh, through Zoom, or through phone, or through internet. It's amazing because that those individuals have found a higher purpose. They have discovered the why of living. It's really wonderful. Before being called to do something, we are called to someone, and that's Jesus Christ. Before being called to do, we are called to be. This is absolutely vital. We are called to be missionary. Whatever portfolio we happen uh, to engage in, we are missionary before we work as missionary. And so those who have a why to live can bear with almost anyhow. Queen Esther, Queen Esther knew that why she, she lived at a time such as the time she was living. She knew God had a purpose for her. You know, the, uh, cats uh, may have nine lives, but I want to tell you I have four. Okay, believe it or not, I have four lives. The first life I had was when I was 10 years old, eight, eight or nine or 10. 
there was a there was a construction site near my house, and uh, children would be playing in the afternoon, and I was one of them. And uh, suddenly, I fell into the hole full of water, and uh, I was drowning. And all of a sudden, there was a mysterious hand lifted me up out of the hole, and uh, I could have died. Mm -hmm. So that's the first life. To this day, I could still see the face of my mother with an expression of horror on her face, looking at me, almost like a dead child being pulled up from that pond. It's only by the grace of God that I'm living today. So that was my first life. My second life came when I was 18 years old. I told my father that I would like to become a pastor. He said, <laughs> you want to be a pastor? You know what pastoral ministry is all about? Pastoral ministry is, is, is the garbage being. Those who cannot make it in life, those who fail in their examinations will go to pastoral ministries. You are a bright young man with a bright future in, ahead of you. Why do you want to become a pastor? This is absolute stupidity. I thought you are a young man until you open your mouth and tell me you want to be a pastor. Sure, if you want to be a pastor, there's no problem. Wait till you are 85 years old, well into retirement. Then you can serve God. Why waste a life ahead of you? You know, it's, it's utter nonsense. It's a long story. Not only you oppose me, he will rally all the uh, uncles and aunties. So I have uh, a lot of visitors in those days, you know, trying to persuade me out of my stupidity. I don't know where in the world I got that courage because uh, at 18 years old, for some reason, by the grace of God, I found that why. I found that why to live. God in his mercy had chosen me uh, to be part of his vineyard. And uh, my father said, you know, you have a bright future in front of you. Wherever you want, whatever you want to be, wherever you want to study, Australia, United States, anywhere, I will slot. I will sponsor you until you become a success. But give up, please give up uh, this idea about, about serving God. And so it was an 18 years old that I found my anchor in life. I discovered the why to live. And, uh, and, and so we went to Cambodia. Uh, we were in our 20s, just after our honeymoon. <laughs> and uh, we were part of the uh, missionary group. In those days, they, they called themselves uh, student missionaries. Today, we call them uh, AVSs. You know, uh, they were a group of us, you know, uh, teaching uh, English language. And uh, we baptized 33 Cambodians before we left, you know. And I could tell you many stories that we could have died a thousand deaths, a thousand deaths. And God in his mercy preserved us for some reason. Even, even on the day of evacuation, uh, we were still trying to shelter ourselves in uh, uh, bomb shelters built along the runway. Can you imagine? We had to run from one bomb shelter to the next. And the plane, the evacuation plane, could have shot, could have been shot down. You know, uh, there's no reason for, for us to leave if, if not of God's protection. And uh, those were the days uh, with B-52 bombing almost every night. 
we have one eleven Phantom jet jets uh, doing the the daytime bombing. It was a tense moment, but uh, Victor Frankl's uh, statement came to mind: those who had a wide belief can bear with almost any situation. And praise God, today we are still alive, and that's not the end of my life. Two lives were gone. This is the third one. The third one was in the University of Maryland, 2016. I was in SSD, attending the mid-year meeting. Suddenly, I became very, very sick. Uh, there was no energy to even stand up, and uh, they admitted me to the emergency room. But they didn't do a lot of things to me. So I went home, and uh, after a while, I felt better. So I went to my next assignment, which was in Moscow, uh, mid-year meeting. Uh, it was while I was in Moscow speaking to a group of uh, church leaders that uh, suddenly, as I looked ahead of me, I saw chairs and people turning upside down. Can you imagine? So I knew something was drastically wrong. Went back to Maryland. Dr. Landless quickly got in touch with uh, the experts in the University of Maryland Medical Center. I was uh, asked to go to the emergency room right away. They suspected, of course, um, there was something wrong with my brain because I could not walk straight. When I walked, I'll be walking like a drunkard. Uh, I could not maintain my sense of balance. So uh, there was zero appetite. My stomach would be bloating all day long. I'll be sleeping 24 hours out of 24 hours every single day. And uh, I was dying on the vine. The first thing they suspected was the brain, malfunctioning of the brain. So they took an MRI on, the, on my brain. And uh, they said, Mr. Ng, uh, we have good news and bad news. The good news is we have found your brain. But the bad news is there is nothing inside. <laughs> nothing inside? Yes, there's nothing inside. We cannot find any cancer any tumor, any polyps, there is nothing inside. Praise God, there is nothing inside. There is no sickness inside, at least we know. But you know, they were not convinced. They said, maybe we have made a mistake in MRI. Certainly there's something wrong with the brain. So they took a second MRI. And to make the long story short, there were three MRIs taken. Each MRI cost about $4,500. And it was a day uh, of great trepidation. And uh, next thing they discovered was uh, probably there was something wrong with their guts, you know. So they make me s uh, swallow a, a camera. I think they call it endoscopy. After I swallowed that camera, and, I, and who knows uh, where that thing went. After two hours, the result came out. The doctor said, we can find nothing wrong with you. Yeah. Then they suspected there was something wrong with my ears because of the malfunctioning of the balancing mechanism. So they bend my head to one side and uh, shook violently to see anything coming loose. They repeated the same process for the other side. They pump a warm water into my ear canal to simulate motions. They put me into a special chamber where the wall moved and the ground moved to stimulate motion. For three hours, I almost died after the three-hour test. 
in the end, E and T especially, uh, look at the rim of uh, test results, they say, Mr. Ng, there's nothing wrong with your hearing. And uh, this is, uh, went on for three to four months. At the end of four months, finally, uh, we had to see the 10th physician at the University of Maryland Medical Center, the 10th one, the final one. And this physician, who was an infectious disease specialist, had, was supposed to draw a conclusion as to what I was suffering from. So we were there for hours. Uh, he would be questioning me over and over again, trying to find a clue as to what I might be suffering from. And uh, his staff said, uh, bye doctor, see you tomorrow. Everyone in the clinic had left except him. And he was still asking questions. Finally, I saw him giving up. He pushed away his computer. He said, Mr. Ng, we cannot find anything wrong with you. All the tests we have done on you have turned up negative. We do not know what is wrong with you, even though you are very sick. We do not know what kind of sickness you have got. The best hypothesis that we can come up with is that you are a victim of viral attack. He said, I can draw your blood right now and I can identify the bad guys. I know the bad guys because I'm a specialist. I know what those viruses might be, but it doesn't help you because there's no cure for, for virus. And he said something else. He said, Mr. Ng, this is the end of medical science. This is the end of medical science. We cannot do anything for you. Please go home. Can, have you ever heard a thing that's more discouraging than that? That's the end of medical science. Go home and die. And it was during that time that uh, when man was in his extremity, down the dump, so to speak, that God manifested his power, or the power of healing. To this day, for, uh, since uh, it happened four years ago, I have yet to swallow a pill to cure my sickness. I'm, I'm a walking miracle. This is the third life that God had given to me. Today I'm living the fourth life. So I must be faithful to the life that God has given. God has uh, spared my life for a special purpose. So I've written an article, Seven Lessons from My Mysterious Illness, for the online version of Adventist Review to encourage uh, people uh, who may be my situation. So this is my favorite text. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. And for to this end, Christ died and rose and again, that we might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. So it doesn't matter when you have found the anchor of life, when you know you live for a higher purpose, when you, you, when you know the why of your living, whether it is living or dying, it doesn't really matter. John the Baptist knew why he was there. As the forerunner of Jesus Christ, he knew the purpose of his life, even though he was put in dungeon and doubts came to his mind. By the way, we are all human. And when I was uh, uh, very sick, uh, all kinds of neg negative thoughts hounded me day and night. And uh, John the Baptist was no uh, exception. And, uh, but God 
uh, lighten up the dungeon uh, according to disavages and the uh, angels uh, accompany him. God gave him assurance that he will be all right. And uh, uh, disavages say something else. He says, for the sake of those who would drink the blood of martyrdom, God allowed John the Baptist to die. Job is my hero. Though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. Yes, I agree with Viktor Frankl. Those who have a while to live can bear with almost anyhow. May God bless us, is my prayer. Special thanks to Dr. Ng for such an encouraging message. As an Adventist cross-cultural missions expat myself, I personally was very much encouraged. Now, to the announcement that I promised in the beginning. A couple weeks ago, I shared with you about the new platform for missions-focused courses that we've been working on, right? We are developing courses, and we're also developing the platform to deliver those courses to you and want to improve on both. The Online Learning Center for Mission is what we call this platform, the Online Learning Center for Mission, is now in kind of beta testing. We are not advertising it widely, but we do open it. We have opened it uh, to our community, to those who have a way to hear this, to you. We've moved all our IWM online courses to the new platform by now, and our goal is to improve on your learning experiences. Please, access to IWM courses is now being resumed. To find out more, go to iwm.adventist.org forward slash course dash catalog. All right, course dash catalog. You'll need to be logged in to your membership account on the IWM website to be able to access those courses. My name is Alex Ott, and on behalf of the IWM team, we wish you many blessings for the week ahead. We're looking forward, friends. To seeing you next week. <music>